oh, 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 well, 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 welcome to the In Search SEO podcast, where we dole out more SEO insights than Hollywood does terrible remakes of movies that made my childhood. Today we have Nikki Mosier to get us caught up on the hidden world of local SERP features. What to consider when creating Google posts? What local features are we all forgetting about and how do we capitalize on them? And where do we stand in regards to tracking local SERP feature progress? I am your host, Morty Oberstein, and I am joined by the efficaciously efficacious, the luminously luminous, Kim Ragones. Good morning, Morty. It is good to see you. Good to see you too. That was a tongue twister that last that last little intro there. You know, by the way, it takes me a long time to find different <laughs> adjectives every week. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting. Sure I'm does. like get, getting to like the bottom of my list. I got to find a new a new list. And every week you have to do better. I know. Than last week. I know. And, and and the words are getting harder to pronounce. It's <laughs> Just not say good. It really fast. Right? And then I say it really nobody fast. Will no notice. one will know the difference. <laughs> my wife always makes fun of me when I mispronounce a word because I like using big words sometimes. And when I mispronounce one, she gets very very. I'm happy. Yes. Yes. That's how it goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Before we go any further, let me remind you, we put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on Spotify and Stitcher. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes, but you will not be able to find one next week. I'm going away. I'm having sort of a family reunion kind of thing. I I have family coming from out of town. Oh, sort that's of. nice. Yeah. So that's nice. I have to take off some time in order to accommodate their feelings and enjoy. to make sure. Yes. And or to you enjoy. can invite them to be on the podcast. That would be really interesting. We can have a therapy session on the show. Yes. Right. We can all air out my dirty laundry. Good Probably time. not a good idea. <laughs> so next week, we'll be back the week after. Do not worry. But next week, we will not be here. Tear shedding. Okay. Moving on. So before, before we get into the, the interview with Nikki Mosier... I want to talk about voice search because we all can't get enough of it and I don't understand why. And with that is voice search's SEO impact. Kim, could you please fill in the folks at home on why I'm randomly bringing up voice search? Sure thing, especially after you said please. Mm. So Search Engine Land recently published an article citing a Uberall study that shows but 4% of all businesses are ready for voice search. Shocking. Terrible. To quote Marlon Brando from Apocalypse Now, the horror. Okay. Downright impossible. 4%. Humph. Humph. Yeah, it's not so much. No. I mean, we, we, could, we could just continue to, to complain how terrible the situation is, or we can ask why. It's heretical, I understand. We can ask why this is. Why in the world should a business... Let me, let me get real heretical with it, okay? Why in the world should a business take the time, take the money to worry about voice search at this point? Well, to show that they're on top of their game and know what's coming. Right, that's a good reason. And because they're just caught up in the latest trends without actually thinking about, is this really applicable? Again, heresy. Yes. Okay, I know. I get it. It's a crazy sort of question. What's wrong with me? We all know voice search is bigger than John Lennon. For local businesses, maybe, which, by the way, is why the study that we just quoted is predominantly focused on local metrics. Because voice search, regardless of anything else, is very, very much applicable currently to local. I get it. For local business, voice search is a big deal, 100%. But y'all do know there are more business types outside of local, right? Because... I, it, it, there's only local exists. No. Okay. And indeed, the study mentions that enterprise companies are the least ready 
for voice search. And we're sitting here now in loathing judgment of these companies because they obviously have no idea what they're freaking doing. I mean, this is voice search for Pete's sake. Why are you, the multinational companies, the companies of all companies, not ready for voice search for crying out loud? Golly, gosh, gee whiz, and all other sorts of 1950s sentimental language. But let me pose a radical thought to you. These multinational companies are not dumb. And if they're not focusing on voice search, it's not because they don't know what they're doing. It's probably because doing so would be inefficient and would have no purpose at this point. Again, heretical. I, I understand this. But would you, Kim, would it be okay if we explore this idea? Go right ahead. Okay, but with, give advance warning. This idea is rooted in the devil. Why? why? Yes, it's <laughs> terrible. Um, why would a company not think voice search is important? Um, maybe because outside of local, which again, I think it's super important and relevant to local businesses, voice search is a novelty. Search is a need. I need search. Social media is a need. I need social media. And obviously there's a hierarchy of needs, right? I don't need search like I need air. I need social media like I need air. Yes. I'm up in bed at night. Everyone's sleeping. I'm like, I got my Twitter on. I can't stop. No? No, it's an addiction. I, I, I get sweat. If I don't check Twitter often enough, I start sweating. I think I it's more shakes. important to sleep. It's true. I'm a night owl, though. Yeah? Yeah, that's terrible. I'm not, I'm not a morning person. and make kids wake up really early yeah, in the morning. Yeah, those two things don't usually go together. It's not good. <laughs> okay. Okay, but seriously, okay? Do I need a $75 device to say, hey, bozo? Which is how the device would respond to if my grandmother was the one using it because she was a very tough cookie. So it would be like, hey, bozo, is it raining outside? Do I really need that? By the way, do you, you know, do you know what the, the device would respond back to my grandmother? I can't say that I do. Okay. Uh, it would be, look out the damn window, you idiot. Because my grandmother was a tough cookie. If George Patton were a grandmother, it would be mine. What if you don't have a window? Look out it anyway. Okay. <laughs> Who does have a window? If you're in a basement. If you're in jail. In jail. Even in jail, you have a window, no? But maybe then the weather is not your top priority. It, it could be the, all, the weather's all you have. <laughs> yes. Why are, where are we going with this? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Voice, voice devices, voice search, and the responses as they exist now outside of local is a novelty. Okay. If I'm a big time company, you know where this novelty sits on my radar? Please tell me. Off of it. It's mm. off the radar for me. So what do you mean? That voice search is a novelty? How do you back that up? Because Google backs me up. Ah. 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 To quote the end of... Coming to America. Uh-huh. Okay. First off, okay, let's, let's go like this, okay? What's Google been doing vis-a-vis -vis voice search? Well, it's it's pushed to get news publishers to get their content optimized for voice search. It's created in a great new way to act as an interpreter via Google Hub, which is very cool. It's partnered with Walmart. Did you not know that? Yes, it has partnered with Walmart to um, go about offering a shopping experience. I could go on and on and on. but And the reason why, by the way, Google's doing all these things is not, oh, we just want to be better. Being better is, of course, better. It's always important to be better. No, okay? It's because, I think, Google knows it has to offer something deeper than just the weather. Look out the window. <laughs> she would literally say that. I'm telling you, if she was still alive today, that's how she would use this thing. And then she would throw it out the window. Um, <laughs> it, it, it has to be... If you want voice search to be beyond a novelty, it has to become integrated into your life. And Google, I think, knows this, okay? I need it. I, I needed to shop. I needed to get deep answers, deep content, deep exploration. I needed to translate with. Um, I needed to so I could follow a recipe step by step with my Google Hub, which is very cool. 
right? Uh, I, I, I need so I can turn the lights on and off, whatever it is, okay? As long as it's some sort of like deep level of engagement and personal integration, because then it becomes something you need and not something that's just a simple novelty. By the way, okay, I think this is why Google will win this war over Amazon. Amazon figures, hey, we got the we got it, we got it down pat, right? We have the whole shopping experience, and via the shopping experience, you now need your Amazon's Alexa becomes a need, and we're we're good, we're done. Okay, Google on the other hand is forced to look beyond the shopping experience, obviously to it as well. But because of that, they're ultimately going to form a more profound sort of product, in my opinion. But you can, by the way, thank Amazon. See, I, I, if you want to understand where I think we're very much in the infancy of voice search and why are we so, so much talking about it is because of Amazon. What Amazon did was brilliant, okay? Amazon integrated shopping with voice. You can just order via Alexa, right? Yeah. Okay, so it automatically sort of became this need, even though even though voice search is not really where we think it is because of that. Because of, because of Amazon's Alexa and because of the way it's integrated with shopping, we sort of think, okay, voice search is bigger than it really is, I think, at this point. But I don't really think that it's integrated into life yet. I think it's very much, and some of the data we've talked about on this very podcast has shown that people use it for very quick answers, very novelty sort of things, and it hasn't really become integrated into the, into the larger life of the user. Okay, so by the way, in terms of here and now, if I were a big brand, I'd much sooner focus on audio content. I think big things are coming for audio content on the SERP with Google auto-transcribing content, as we spoke about, I think it was last week we spoke about that. Maybe yeah. two weeks ago, last week, right? I have a terrible memory, uh, but I think yeah. The the to to go Star Trek on you for the second week in a row. The next undiscovered country. I'm gonna fail. <laughs> <laughs> is audio content okay? But that that's just me. You could be right. I could be right. Enough with that. Uh, we have a great interview with Nikki Mosher, now of Seer Interactive, who I spoke to all about the hidden gems Google throws your way inside of local SERP features and more. So, cut one. Welcome to Mystery Theater. No, no, no. Welcome to another In Search SEO podcast interview. There is a very, very short list of people who I think are real up and coming in the world of SEO. And Nikki Mosier is definitely one of them. She is the Senior SEO Account Manager at 2 Octobers and will soon be joining the illustrious Seer Interactive team as a technical SEO manager. Welcome, Nikki. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so that's a, that's really exciting news. Yeah, yeah. It kind of happened quick, and I'm, I'm excited to, to make the jump to Seer and to experience remote working again, which is always fun. I like remote working. I, I, I remote work often. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, congrats. I hope everything goes well with that. Sad that you're moving on, Thank I guess. Thank you. Sure. Um, by the way, I did not I did not forget that you're a Packers fan. I know we spoke about it before. <laughs> <laughs> and, I actually learned last night while reading uh, Rand Fishkin's partner Geraldine's book that Rand Fishkin is also a diehard Packer fan. Is he really? I, yeah. I held him in such esteem. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I'm a Steelers fan, so I have nothing, nothing against the Packers, despite you all beating us in Super Bowl 45. But there's really no rival. Yeah. No, there's not really. Yeah. Kind of nice. We're, we're similar teams in a lot of respect. Right. Older quarterback, Bradish quarterback, pain in the neck quarterback. Yeah. We right. Definitely have those things in common. All right. So we're not here to talk about uh, Steelers football, which I don't even want to anyway. It's been a rough offseason. If you're not from the U.S., you're thinking, what are they talking about? Anyway, let's talk about local 
SEO. So there's um, there's a lot to talk about. And one of the things you mentioned was Google Post. We were talking about what should we talk about, what should we discuss. And I love Google Post, but I'm really guilty of the same problem that a lot of people are, is that we talk about the feature, but we don't really offer much in the way of tips, which is why I'm so happy that you're here. What can you tell us, something concrete, something business can use, something they can do, something actionable when thinking about creating Google Posts? Yeah, there's definitely definitely a few things that are important. I think the number one thing is just consistency. Um, as a lot of people know or maybe don't know, they go away after seven days. They just kind of disappear from the knowledge panel. Um, they still exist. You just have to click through a little deeper to get to them. So one thing we try to implement for clients that we're doing posting for is just to get on a consistent schedule. So every seven days, you're putting up a new post, whether that's promoting a blog post or an event or just something going on. Um, but something to have that consistency so that no matter when someone's looking at your listing, they're seeing that post up there. Um, especially now with posts being moved down in the knowledge panel. Um, I did notice recently that on mobile, posts are showing up kind of in that scrolling menu at the top of the listing on a mobile device. So we're getting a little more visibility, but yeah, consistency is just definitely key. And then just making them promotional. So you want people to click on them. You want people to engage on them. Obviously, Google hasn't said that they're an, a ranking factor, but I think with anything else, like we see in search engine results with click-through rate, if people are engaging with those and clicking through to your website, that can't hurt things. So just thinking about that. Oh, dog bark. <laughs> um, another thing... Another thing to think about with posts is um, think about, click again, with click-through rates. So look at your uh, AdWords copy. If you're doing AdWords ads and Google My Business posts, play around with it. Test out um, if you have ad copy that's really working well, play with that in your Google My Business posts um, and see what kind of impact you get. Um, I mean, that's the best best advice on anything SEO-related is just test things out and see what happens. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about using the ad copy. I like that. I never thought of that before. Really cool. I have seen yeah. the mobile Google post come back up, which is great. I am um, desktop is still well. Desktop has always been lower down, hasn't it? It's always underneath. Yeah, yeah. I mean they were up. They were up a little further in desktop, but then yeah, they pushed pushed them back down again. Right. Well, I mean, I don't think people realize the the impact that if you're if you're looking at a brand, it's one of the only places on the SERP. We'll talk about another place in a moment where you can add your own content in into a SERP feature or onto the SERP without really having to do anything. Once you're doing a brand query, you're showing up the knowledge panel. So your brand is there, your information is there. Now your content can also be there, which is great for brand awareness. Even if no one clicks and goes through it, it's, a, it's just a great way to show off that you're alive on the SERP. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let me, let me go the opposite direction with this a little bit and talk about a feature that no one talks about, and that's the Q&A feature. It's a feature where you, it's amazing, isn't it? No one talks about it, but it's basically, it's, if you don't know what it is, it's a, it's a way you can essentially create an FAQ on the SERP for your business. And yeah, no one talks about it. Yeah, it's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's something that I've been trying to, to utilize for clients a lot more. We actually, when we have like a multi-location SEO client, um, we're pushing out a, a Google sheet or a Google form to those clients to get them to kind of give us the top questions that they get answered, asked on the phone, they get asked when people walk in the door, that type of thing. And then we're populating that for clients. So yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest biggest mystery to people is they don't realize that you can actually go in as a business owner or as someone who's doing SEO for a client and actually populate those yourself, both the question and the answer. Right. And Google's not penalizing for that. 
Um, and then and then a voting. So they have the little thumbs up icon. Um, you can thumbs up those yourself as well. Um, have your friends thumb, thumb up those and then be strategic about it, though, because the question and both the answer that have the most uh, thumbs up, I think it's like three, uh, are the ones that will show up in the knowledge panel. And actually, you'll still see that question and that response in the knowledge panel without having to click through to see the whole list of questions and answers that have been um, asked. So be strategic about that. What what do you really want your customers to be able to see from that knowledge panel about your business? Um, and then feed that yourself. Google hasn't taken that away from us yet. So, so take advantage of it. I like that point about being strategic about what you, what you thumbs up. I did not know that, by the way. Besides for answering the top questions, have you... When you when you approach a client about putting in content to the Q and A feature, so obviously you have your your, your basic questions that you, people always ask, but is there anything else that you try to ensure goes into that Q and A content, that Q and A feature, or basically just the you know the top questions that you always hear as a business owner? Um, I've I think there's definitely some value in trying to match it up with what is on a Q and A page on your website. Q and A pages are tricky. I've been trying to figure out the nuances of implementing Q and A schema, and it's it's a mess. Like you have to have separate question and answer pages for each question and answer. And then you have to be able to have user generated questions, even be able to put schema on those pages. So they definitely make that that challenging. It's not as easy as something like review schema or local business schema. But I think trying to have that consistency between the website and the Google My Business listing whenever possible is definitely beneficial. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, it's interesting. I've, they, they, I know there's a Q&A feature that exists. I know they announced it. I've never actually seen it pop up in the wild. Which is weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have either. I know the the forums one shows up all the time, but it is weird, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and then and there's one last thought is thinking about um, the Q and A field can be such a great lead generation source. If someone's asking uh, if your business offers X service, chances are they actually want to come in and and get that service. So keeping an eye on those things. Um, I know gather up. Uh, review generation platform. One of their packages actually includes uh, Q&A monitoring. So you can sign into the platform, be notified when someone asks a question um, and and keep an eye on it that way as well, which is, or sorry, I said, yeah, gather up. They used to be get five stars. Interesting. Let me, let me jump onto something that I see a lot of businesses do doing and that's departments. Um, I was looking at, I, preparing for this podcast, I was looking at an old Home Depot. I used to frequent a lot in Baltimore when I used to live there. And when you go to see the knowledge the local panel for for the Home Depot, there's literally a dozen different categories, dozen different different um, departments that they list on in the knowledge panel. And if you click on one, you you go to a new SERP for that department, and if they're doing things right, you get a knowledge panel for that particular department. Is there really anything to listing dozens and upon dozens of departments in the knowledge panel? Is it something that if you have time for a great, do it; if not, not. Or is there really something you think to beneficial to to doing it? I mean, I think in, in a situation like Home Depot, Lowe's, something like that, where they have a ton of locations, they've got a ton going on in their store, I don't think it hurts to have that information in the knowledge panel, especially if you're looking for something, you want to call the flooring department directly and you don't want to have to sit through that that meant that prompt, all those prompts on the phone. You can just click directly, in theory, if they have the right phone number set up and call directly to the flooring department, um, find out information about that department. So. I mean, I'm kind of under the the thought process that if Google has that feature, take advantage of it if it works for your business, if it makes sense. (laughs) Obviously, don't create fake departments for your business and 
that kind of thing just to populate that area. But yeah, if it makes sense for your business, definitely take advantage of that. Right. Yeah, that'd be interesting if you had a fake business categories of business departments in your business. I don't know how that would work out for you in the end. But yeah, people will try I'm anything. I'm sure it wouldn't be a lot of better. I'm sure but there's yeah, somebody out there doing use it. That. Yep. Let me let me ask you. So, can you? I know there's so many. The thing about local surf features is that there's there aren't so many of them. You have your local panel. You have the local um, the local pack. You have the local finder. Yeah, you have to go for more places, carries all those sort of things. But within each of these features, there's just so many different elements, particularly in the in the knowledge panel, the local panel. Uh, one of the things I see, for example, that people overlook. And I know, I know Macy's does a great job with this and a bunch of other department stores do a great job with this, is events. You can actually list events and have them show up in the, in the knowledge panel. For example, if, if Macy's has someone coming in to um, do a makeup demonstration, they have that as an event. On October 23rd, there's going to be a makeup demonstration. There's a cologne sampling, right? That's listed as an event and that's really, really interesting. Um, and you can obviously attract a lot of people into what your business is doing with that sort of thing and people just aren't using it. They're not doing it. Beside that or something else, what are some things that, because there's just so many different elements within the local features, are businesses just missing the boat on? Obviously, we talked about the Q&A feature and beyond that. Yep. Yeah, no, I think you definitely nailed it with events. Um, I think a lot of people aren't taking advantage of that. Uh, you can. It, it's definitely tricky. I've had some struggles, and I know some other people have had the same issue on Twitter, um, of getting events to populate with event schema just because there's so many nuances to it. Um, I'm fine, definitely finding that things like Eventbrite and Meetup are pulling into the listing pretty automatically, which is nice. Um, and then Google, there was just a post on Search Engine Land on Monday morning that now anyone can ev add events to the Google My Business listing from the contributor dashboard. It looks like it's pretty Android specific only, mm -hmm. but at the moment, but that's a little scary actually that um, kind of like the Q&A feature that it can be user generated. So it'll be definitely interesting to see kind of what happens with that feature. And then I think videos are definitely underused in the mm -hmm. Google My Business listing. We know that Google loves video. Google wants to see video, especially video from YouTube um, <laughs> showing up in the search results. So getting video on your Google My Business listing is a great way to give users a full idea of what they are going to experience when they walk in your door. Um, and it makes Google happy. So it's kind of a win-win there. And then the products, the products and services menu. Um, I feel like that's pretty underused, especially when you look at, I think obviously things like Home Depot and REI do a really great job of adding in their product feed, which I think can come in like through the API and stuff and pull in those products to the Google My Business listing on mobile. But looking at like home services businesses and things like that, I think there's really an opportunity there to kind of get more of that information out in front of users. Uh, obviously, re restaurants do a pretty great job of having their menu um, in the listing. But as far as service menus and that kind of thing, I think there's definitely an opportunity to utilize that feature more fully. Yeah, that is really interesting because there has been a push as of late. And it's always been a push, but there's been more as of late to get your products out there on Onto the SERP into the, into the local SERP features, and, and it, it is a bit surprising that people don't take advantage of that. Business don't take advantage of that. And, and from anything from product placement to events, that sort of thing. And do you think that's because people just don't know? It's which is weird because people are people are doing SEO for these sites, or is it just it's just tricky? Yeah, I think people. I think one one thing is people just don't spend enough time in in the SERPs, and I'm definitely guilty of that, both with clients that I work on and just in general, like you get so kind of in the zone of what you're working on, whether that's the back end or your coding or whatever you're doing and just not maybe realizing that 
you have control over some of these features. So just right. spending time in the SERPs is, is important from all aspects of the game. That is interesting because, you know, Google is creating these features for a reason. Like, for example, the reason I'm speculating, but I think it's good speculation. The reason why there's so much product um, offerings or so many ways you can push your product in the local features is because it's a great opportunity for Google to build that association that it, as opposed to maybe Amazon, I don't know, um, is a place where you can learn about product, where you can find products, buy products. It's a segue into, into product. You would figure they would want to make sure everybody knows about that, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Yeah, they definitely seem to be contradicting themselves a little bit there. And maybe maybe uh, Gary or John needs to, to spread the word more about local. Yeah, maybe. They, might, they need a local Googler. A like up. Yeah, there's, there's no local do. Googler, right? I don't that's think so. a very good. Yeah, that's a very good point. We'll get Barry Schwartz on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about tracking progress in these areas. Obviously, judging the impact of how well you're doing within the Q and A element is is pretty hard to do. You, I don't, I don't know how you would do something like that unless you get really creative with it. All right, but that said, there are things you can monitor. There are ways you can monitor your progress, and um, so you can either replicate things or you can adjust things. Um, now, of course. You can no longer use UTM codes to track Google My Business data within Search Console. So maybe you can explain for our audience what happened there. For those who don't know what happened, maybe offer some tips to what you can do instead or now. Yeah, so I think it was in early February, Google announced that they were going to be changing how the Search Console uh, performance report counts metrics. Um, instead of looking at the exact URL, they're going to be transitioning to uh, using the canonical URL when we're looking at uh, those metrics in Search Console, um, which is definitely a challenge if we're putting UTM codes on specific URLs. It's obviously going to go to the canonical version. Um, one way to get around this is to track those those uh, UTM codes in Google Analytics instead of Search Console, um, break, looking at the campaign data um, and that sort of thing, which I know there's some back and forth on whether, which is more accurate, Search Console versus Analytics. And um, I know it's, it can be tricky, but that's definitely one way to still have access to that data. I definitely think it's a little more accurate than Google's Google My Business Insights. I always struggle with whether they're, they're phone call numbers and their clicks to website and stuff are, are actually very as accurate as we want them to be. So that's definitely one way. And then I think just, and obviously the post metrics. So if you're, if you're doing the Google My Business post, keeping, it, keeping an eye on those metrics as well. I do the same thing as the website URL. I'm putting UTM codes and campaign codes on all Google My Business posts and tracking those those metrics in Google Analytics to be able to get those insights as well. Right, that's really smart. And people forget, by the way, with the UTM codes that, that you can still track the data in Google Analytics. It's just it's just Search Console you can't do it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let me. I, mean, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you early, and I forgot. I have a terrible memory. I literally have a terrible memory. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad sometimes. Anyway, uh, with Google Posts, so there's this story format that you have to, I think you, I've seen the NHL has it, New York City. Ironically, I've, and I've done this, I've searched for city after city, and New York City is, I believe, the only city I can, I've ever found that has Google Posts, and they've used this story format. It's almost like an AMP story, but within Google Posts. I don't think, no, you, you have to have special access to that, correct? I would have, yeah, I haven't right? seen that outside of New York, New York City either. Um, I'm assuming it's some sort of special localized feature that right, for publishers or something like that right yeah yeah i know they're getting more 
there's more options for that type of content because that's obviously content that Google likes to see. So I think they're just starting to, to kind of roll that out on a case by case basis. I would imagine that it's going to have it. Why wouldn't it come out full, you know, full force? It's such an engaging way. It's basically it's an AMP story. If you're not familiar with it, um, an AMP story, it's one of those stories that they announced at the Google 20th anniversary. That if you, I don't know, if you if you Google Joe Montana in, in the knowledge panel, you'll see a button that says, you know, see history of his life, something like that. And so this whole amazing story format that you have sometimes in Google Posts for certain publishers. It's just weird that these things like sort of take. This is going back. The last Stanley Cup Finals, it's hockey, was what about a year ago? Well, not a year ago, a little less than a year ago, right? And the NHL had it, New York City said has it, and I haven't seen anyone beyond that really show off with that feature. Why does Google? Why do you think Google rolls out these really awesome features? They're really cool, they're really engaging, they're really amazing, and it tests them, it prods with them. Some people have access to them, some people don't have access to them, and it just kind of falls flat in its face because there's no full rollout, at least. Not right away. Yeah, I'm wondering if it has something to do with like, I'm assuming because we haven't. I mean, we haven't seen Google my Google posts um, monetized yet. They're like they're still free, unlike Google Ads. Is that um, happening? Kind though, of do essentially you think? the same thing. So, yeah, that's what I wonder. Like, we haven't seen anything really anything monetized in the Google My Business listing yet. So I'm wondering if that has something to do. Obviously we're seeing it with NHL and that sort of thing. So obviously they've got money. I'm assuming they're spending right. a lot of money on Google ads, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Google to, for there to be some sort of connection there. Ooh, that's conspiratorial. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with Google posts, what, um, let me ask, I know it's, it's, it's impossible to answer and it is interesting. They haven't monetized it yet. Why do you think they roll them out? I know people theorize that, oh, Google wanted to enter the new, you know, a new way to enter the social media universe because Google Plus always sucked and now it's totally defunct. Do you think it's just get social media foothold or it goes beyond that? Um, I mean, they kind of did it around the same time that they, like, they announced Google My Business posts and then, like, three to six months later, they got rid of the Google the G plus listings. So like those were kind of similar products. So I think maybe it was a little bit connected to that. And I think it's just another way, like giving businesses that opportunity to promote themselves more. It's one more way to say, Hey, this business is doing this. We're, they're going to get better search visibility because they're taking advantage of this service feature versus a business that's not. Um, and I think like, like I mentioned, that maybe there's some opportunity there for Google to monetize that in the future. There's always um, paying for, for more, Right. Well, yeah, if you pay for this post, then just like boosted Facebook ads, that post is going to show up further up in the knowledge panel listing or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I assume there's some sort of grand grand plan there. Oh, there's always a grand plan. I mean, it does keep you off the, the site theoretically because all the content's right there. When you click on it, it's still within the yeah, Google Post too. universe, yep. um, which I always find yep, bizarre. Whole... Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that whole whole thing that's been talked about in the in the local community lately with Google trying to make make that that first page result in the the Google My Business listing take the place of a website and not have to actually go to the website to get the information that they're looking for. That is interesting. Why? Okay, so I understand why Google at times wants to put something like a feature snippet or direct answer or a local pack, whatever it is, even even a local panel. I get it. But why does Google, when it doesn't seem to need to, want to keep a user off a site. I mean, I have my theories about it, but I'm just curious what you think off off the cuff. I want yeah. I mean, I I think I guess if I was Google, if if I could keep some obviously keep someone in 
the in the search results they're maybe going to find a little bit of what they're looking for um, in in the search result and then maybe go to another search result so the more search results they see the more that helps google um, yeah whatever their whatever their thought is there right it definitely creates a certain like google is the authority in all things and let's go back to google and it builds that association of google as a source of information content and immediate gratification Interesting. Yeah, exactly. So now that you've graced us with all of your insights and you've taken time out of your busy day to come and join us on the In Search SEO podcast, I have to, I have to, I have to do this bit (laughs) that I do with everybody. Um, I call it optimize it or disavow it. I'm going to give you two options, two other really good options or two terrible options, and you have to choose one of the two. In one case, you're picking one option that's really great and discarding another great option. In another case, you have to be, you know, choosing a, a terrible option that you would never choose. Will you agree to play Optimize It or Disavow It? I will. Oh, you're so brave. Okay. This is the <laughs> Nikki Mosher version of Optimize It or Disavow It. So, if you could choose one, and again, it's, it's a zero-sum game, would you create Google Posts, which we've discussed here so at such length, or would you go with the Q&A feature? You can't do both. You can only do one. The Q and A feature or Google Posts? Tough question. I think I definitely stick with the Google Posts. I think they've got a lot of value in the different options there are. You've got the event posts, you've got the product posts, send people to your blog posts, whatever you've got going on. So I think there's definitely I think they definitely both have a lot of value, but I think there's a little more value currently with with the Google Posts just to see all of the different options there are and the ways that people can interact with those. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely more visual, definitely more striking, definitely more interactive and engaging. So I guess better chance a user will look at them than versus a Q&A answer. Yeah, or at least, yeah, like at least interact with them. Q&A, they m- might read that and find a couple of things. But if you've got products listed or you've got promotions listed um, in those Google posts, to be able to click on that, get a coupon code or uh, buy a product or something like that, uh, I think that definitely holds a, lot, a little bit more weight. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, thanks. Appreciate that. Um, again, Nikki Mosier on the InSearch SEO podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And best of luck at your new position over at Seer. Thanks. I'm, I'm excited to see see how things go, and I'll definitely keep you posted. Are you better. Okay. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Have a great day. And we are back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. So let's jump right into the uh, In Search SEO tip share of the week based off what Nikki talked about. Kim, take it away, please. Sure. Thank you. What should you consider before creating a Google post or adding to your own questions and answers in the knowledge panel? Mm, Based on what we just heard from Nikki, what do you think is important to consider before drafting content, meaning either in Google posts or in the Q&A feature, or if you could figure out some other way to do it, go ahead and bet there is no other way. Um, What should you consider before drafting content for Google's local SERP features? By the way, last week we asked you to share how you deal with LinkedIn link buying spam which is fun. By the way, I, I like to get a little, once in a while, I like to get a little... Uh, creative. Creative with it. Good word. I was trying to think of a nice word. Creative with it. Um, some interesting ideas were floated around out there. Let's quote Itamar Blauer on Twitter. He, it's at Itamar, I-T-A-M-A-R-B-L-A-U-E-R. And he said, I only respond 
with the auto-suggested replies. No typing allowed, which is actually pretty funny, right? It can take you pretty far sometimes, though. Yeah, but Because they won't stop. They'll just keep going and go in and you <laughs> yeah. get to this absurd conversation with people trying to sell you links on LinkedIn, even though they and they have no idea that you're just replying through auto-suggest. So that's pretty... Intermarn, that's a great idea. That's I like funny. that. That's pretty funny. All right. Very good. News time. My time to close my mouth. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a scary proposition. You don't believe me. We'll see. We'll see. It's time for me to close my mouth and let Kim hit it with the news. The bug that caused a substantial number of pages to be de-indexed has been mostly resolved, according to Google. Yeah, so even after Google made this announcement, there were still people saying on Twitter that, um, well, it hasn't been exactly fixed, but by this time, I'm pretty sure everything's been re-indexed. Um, Dr. P from Moz put out a, a piece saying, I think 4% of all, of all sites pages were, were impacted. Hmm. Yeah. The new Google Assistant design also includes ads. These are not voice ads, rather, of course. They're Google search ads. Right. So when you do a search and it goes in your Google Assistant and you see all their visual content, you now have ads there also, which not sure why that took so long, but there they are. Great. Great. Google tested a more icon-oriented Google My Business dashboard. The test was not widespread, but keep your eyes open for it. Which is interesting, by the way, because it, it, it comes right after and it mimics the, the test we saw on the SERP. I think it was about two weeks ago where you had more icons on the SERP. And the same sort of icons on the SERP we're now using this new Google My Business dashboard. So that's interesting. As reported by SC Roundtable that was found by Morty, Google has added audience reviews for music. Previously, the element showed for TV and movie content only. This is what happens when you get to search for lots of Netflix stuff. Mm. And you find stuff like this. And when you have no life and you just do search after search. No, but I do a disproportionate amount of searching. Instead of sleeping? Instead, no, yeah, instead of sleeping. Because my job requires it. So I get to find all sorts of cool stuff. Good. That's me. That's the highlight of my week. I found something. <laughs> Here, look, I found this on uh, on uh, Google. It's great. <laughs> Big news for AMP. Big. The AMP. Uh, see, I could have kept my mouth shut. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the AMP project announced that it will soon support JavaScript. Ooh. Fancy. Ooh, trying to go on the rebound here, AMP, huh? By <laughs> something you maybe you could have done like a couple of years ago. That's just my opinion. Whatever. That's not the official opinion of anybody here at Rank Ranger. That's just Morty complaining about whatever. Anyway, thank you for the news, Kim. My pleasure. Very informative. Thank you. Sorry for interrupting you. That You're not. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> I know that. Uh, it's that time again. You know it. You yes. love it. Yes. It's time for the fun SEO send-off question. Okay, I have a really good one today. Shoot. I'm breaking the fourth wall with this one. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure? waiting. No, I'm, Go ahead. I'm building the suspense. Don't oh, ruin okay. it, please. I thought you forgot. No, no, no. I didn't <laughs> forget. I'm, I'm being suspenseful. Okay. Okay. Awkward silence. Okay, done. Okay. Go. If Google were a person, what would it search for on its Google Home or Google Hub device? Mm -mm -mm. Ooh. That's so circular. My brain just went splat inside of my head. There's a lot of options. Ooh. Okay. You, you, Should uh, I go first? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I think Google would ask, 
what am I doing today? Very basic. Because mm -hmm. I think Google will already be accustomed to not remembering anything on his own. Oh, just that's interesting. Depending on the, answer the agenda gets. on there. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. Do you know? Do you remember Easy. anybody's cell phone number? Remember back in the day before cell phones? I know, I know I'm dating some of you yeah, out there. I remember my friends from first grade. Right. Their phone numbers. You but really? Now, yeah. You still yeah. remember them? Yeah. Wow. But now I only know I'm my not going to say how old Kim number. is, by the way, and how <laughs> impressive that actually is. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> now, the cell phone numbers I know, it's really just mine and my husband's. Yeah, I, I know mine. And I'm not going to learn anymore. I, I don't know my father's. No I don't know my sister's. I know my old home number. Mm -hmm. I don't know my home number now. No, I don't know my home number now either. I never use my home number. I, I do sometimes when I call the kids. Oh, so we have That's what we have right for the kids. When, yeah. when they, if there's a babysitter, maybe the babysitter doesn't have a, um, a cell phone, so we can right. call. Right. And that's find the out that they're time. watching things they're not supposed to be watching. Is the house on fire? Right. <laughs> Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Okay. I'm going to go with, how do I rank on Google? If Google were a person, and if you were doing mm. voice searches, it would say, how do I rank on Google? Come on, you know, and it, it would, it would, it, or, or it would be like, how do I rank on Google in one day? How do I get to the top of the super in one day? Oh. How do I manipulate Google's rankings? All these questions <laughs> Google would be asking. Come on, you know that answer is true. Yes. You like that answer, please? Yeah, yeah good. It's okay. Creative. Thank you. Sure <sighs> we did that was it. Good. We did it. Yes. We've reached the end of the show. <laughs> As you have reached the end of the show, kudos to you. <laughs> kudos to you. Uh, by the way, just a reminder, we are not back again next week. We are back the week after next week week but people can listen to this episode again you can go back and listen to all our old <laughs> episodes all other um 20 i never remember how many we do uh, this is 23 23 so yep. yes you can have listen to all the other 22 episodes of the in search seo podcast just in case you're looking for you know hard dates instead of like next week and the week after let me look up on my phone because i don't remember that. i'm terrible with time i'm <laughs> terrible with memory i'm terrible with dates yeah. Okay. That's it. So the the week of um, April twenty third, which would be our normal release date, there will be no podcast. Uh, but we will be back on April thirtieth, full of energy, insights, and borderline insanity. Great. Yes. Great. Will you be here? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Non-committal. Yes. All right. Thank you again very much. This has been another episode of the Insert SEO Podcast. Tune in again on April thirtieth. For a new episode, it's in search because we're all in search of something.